Our scripture reading comes this morning from the New Testament, Mark, and chapter 3, verses 20 through 30. <coughs> then he went home, and the crowd came together again, so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for the people were saying, he has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed, his house, you will be forgiven of their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an internal sin. For they have said, he has an unclean spirit. As you listen to, to the scripture read to us this morning, what comes to mind? I mean, I mean, I know you can't tell me because it's not a question and answer, period. But I know you're thinking, as you listen to the scripture, something should come to mind. What's going on? Society's barometer is the family. Because as the family goes, so society goes. For the message this morning, I want to go to Hebrews. The message is based on Mark, the third chapter. But I want to go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter the 15th verse, to lay a foundation for all of us. In the letter to the Hebrews, we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. That is from the New International Version. From the message, 
Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible, the message, this is the way it goes. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with reality. He has been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. Now I use that verse as a foundation for us to understand what the message is all about. Behave yourself. Because the message is about Jesus Christ. The message is about him and his family. If the message is about Jesus Christ, I want us to understand that exact, and the scripture says in Hebrews, we have a high priest who can empathize with us because he has experienced it. With that in mind, brothers and sisters, I'll ask the question. Anyone here who likes to be criticized? How do you respond to criticism? Does being criticized bring you down or fire you up? Because you can do one of two things. You can be demoralized because you're criticized, or you can be fired up. In a Charlie Brown cartoon, I, I like Charlie Brown, little brother Linus looking very lonely, asking his sister Lucy, why are you always so anxious to criticize me? Lucy, looking very self-righteous, replies, I just think I have a knack for seeing other people's faults. Linus turns outraged. What about your own fault, Lucy? He asks. And Lucy says, I have a knack for overlooking my faults. Unfortunately, those best at hurting and criticizing you are those closest to you. In today's gospel message, Jesus Christ is surrounded by critics. And the first in line are members of his family. Jesus experienced criticism, conflict in his family. And none of us can say we've never experienced conflict within our family members or among our family members. One of the questions in a compa com compatibility test for persons preparing for marriage when I do the premarital counseling, one of the questions is, conflict is not a good thing in marriage. And you can hear people give you different answers. But at the end of the day, you know that conflict is good. It is not that bad. Well, Jesus experienced conflict in his family. My friends, in today's text, 
We hear that his family was so upset by what they saw he was doing and heard him saying that they decided to take charge of him because they thought he was out of his mind. That's what the scripture says. That's what the family thought. He was out of his mind. There was tension with the religious leaders, but because of conflict within family members, Jesus knew the agony of family life. There is agony, there is pain, there is suffering, there is distress in every family. If your family is not going through that, then praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and praise the Lord. But I will say it again, my friends, there is agony and pain. They all don't happen at the same time. But they do happen. And thanks be to God that there is also the possibility of joy which helps us face the conflicts of life. Because in every family, with all the pain and the distress we go through, there is joy also. And so let's look at the passage of scripture this morning. In the first instance, when you read verses 20 and 21, it is as, as simple as it could be. There is family conflict straight away. Because the scripture says, then Jesus entered the house. And again, a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. My friends, just think for a moment how many times it has happened to you. As a child, even as an adult. How many times you've been criticized. How many times conflict has come into the relationship. Because somebody does not understand what's going on. Jesus was doing the work he came on earth to do. His family did not understand exactly how he had to go about doing his job. And here, in the presence of the, the, the house and the people gathered and his disciples, his family heard about the fact that Jesus was about his business. He was about his father's business. And their conclusion was, he's out of his mind. Sometimes we need to understand what's going on. Sometimes we need to ask questions. That's what the kids were told this morning. Ask questions. So that you can understand where the other person is coming from. Just don't conclude and you bring crisis into the family and at times we don't even acknowledge the fact that we are wrong. He's out of his mind. And I'm sure people have said that to us one way or the other. Maybe not the exact words, but they've said it, my friends. You don't know what you're talking about. You are out of your mind, they say. And this they said 
not to any other person of ordinary status. It was Jesus. And it came from his family. As if that was the end? No. Because from the family conflict, you go to what I call the faculty conflict. Faculty meaning there were teachers involved. Because the scripture says in 22, and the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. Again, another set of people who did not understand what Jesus' mission was all about. And you would think these are the people who should know. The family should know. Members of the faculty who are teachers should know because they've read the Old Testament prophecies. They know that Jesus is coming. They recognize him as Messiah. Maybe at that time, he was not recognized as the Messiah. Because if you go to the Gospel of John, the first chapter, he says to us, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons and daughters of God, even to those who believe in his name. So members of the faculty did not believe in Jesus Christ. They have not received him yet. They did not understand the nature of his messiahship. And all they can say is that he's possessed by a devil. A demon has possessed him. Because he cannot, he cannot, he cannot do what he's doing all by himself without being possessed. One area of that statement is correct. Jesus was possessed. But he was possessed by the Holy Spirit. Let the church say amen. He was possessed by the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit, after his baptism, we remember, the Spirit led him. And after his baptism, the Spirit was with him. My friends, yes, he was possessed, but not of the demons they're talking about, but by the Holy Spirit. In fact, at the end of the scripture, this passage, you will hear Jesus say, all sins are forgiven. But if you sin against the Holy Spirit, that sin is never forgiven. Jesus knew he was possessed by the Holy Spirit. So yes, there was family conflict and there was a faculty conflict. But then came, in a gentle way, a friendly correction. So beginning to read from verse 23, So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand because his end has come. A friendly correction. In other words, you don't know what you're talking about right now? I'm not possessed by Satan. Satan can't do what I am doing, driving out Satan. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit that can destroy the power of the devil. So Jesus is here, my friends, giving them a friendly correction. If Jesus had conflict and enmity in his family, 
you should not expect to escape the agony of family life. There are misunderstandings and conflict in every family. There is pain and sorrow, suffering, difficulty, and distress in almost every family. And when that comes to you, my friends, just remember, you believe in and are serving a high priest who understands what you are going through. And the reason why he understands what you're going through is because he went through the same. See, normally when you think of Jesus, you think that everything was fine. No, my friends. He went through it just like you and me. I recently had the story of a woman who had suffered torture in a Nazi prison camp, but had lived to tell the story. Her suffering was excruciating, but she survived it. She married and settled down to a happy family. Finally, she experienced some joy in her life through her husband and a child that was born. But she also experienced pain like she had never known before. When a husband of 24 years divorced her, pain, the woman said that she suffered more pain than she had ever suffered as a prisoner. My friends, just think about it. The pain we suffer because we belong to a particular family. The family is a place where great joy can come. And on the other hand, the family can be a place of great agony too. So the question is, how is your family? How do you manage family conflict? Because it does exist. How do you manage it? And let's know for certain, my friends, that conflict is inevitable among families. And the ways families choose to resolve conflict makes a huge difference. Families who peacefully resolve conflict may grow closer as they learn from one another and work hard to take one another's feelings into consideration. You don't sleep over it. You walk through it. It's hard. It's hard. Somebody came into the office on Friday. No, I think on Thursday. And we talked for a long time. That's the only brother she has for two years. 
So one of my recommendations was, let's forget the sin he may have committed. Let's think about the relationship. Go and connect with your brother first. Then we can talk about the other things. So I said, just get him a card that says, I am missing my brother. And I want you to add handwritten letters on the card so that he knows you wrote it, that you miss him. And then she looked at me and said, that's hard. And then I said, God has not called us to do the easy things. Some of the things he has called us to do are very hard, very difficult. When family conflict remains unresolved, it may lead to family members harboring anger, growing resentful, and trying to force other family members to take sides. And then the family is divided. Because I am from LA, I support them. I'm from Boston, I support them. That's who we are today. We are family, United States of American citizens. We are divided today. Some of you like the sunshine kids. Some of you like the winter kids. But that's what we do within the family. We force people to take sides. Whether your family conflict remains simple or, in, or it includes years of unresolved dispute among extended family members, make attempt to resolve peace, to restore peace by reaching a resolution um, acceptable to every member of the family. We're not going to run away from the fact that, yes, there are conflicts in our families. And as I said earlier, if your family is without conflict, if there is no criticism in your family, especially destructive criticism, praise the Lord. But as a called servant of God, I have the authority to say, if it happened to Jesus and his family, it happens to all of us. We all go through it, my friends. It was 1987. Chuck Colson wrote a book titled Kingdoms in Conflict. Colson was a mover and shaker in the presidency of Richard Nixon. He was known as Nixon's right-hand man. And he went to jail for his role in the Watergate scandal. And it was while he was in prison that Colson had a genuine conversion experience and today he is a leading spokesperson for evangelical Christianity. He has first an experience of a kingdom in conflict. And Jesus knew that it was only a matter of time before conflict would come between men and women who follow him. And those in position of authority, 
intense commitment always bring conflict. Families are divided because of intense commitment. My friends, this is the conflict that Chuck Colson discovered in his life. Many of us face it too. Ethical decisions, moral compromise, spiritual surrender. There is a price to be paid when our decisions are influenced by greed rather than by God. John Paul Getty, one of the world's wealthiest men, said, I would, I would trade my whole fortune for just one happy marriage. That's how tough it is when we go through conflict. There are basically three kinds of conflicts. Because I believe that some conflicts are in, internal. They are conflicts that go on in our mind and in our heart. Others may not even be aware of the battle we are fighting within. And sometimes we don't even know the battle we are fighting within. But some conflicts are internal. Should I do this? Or should I do that? Should I give this up? Or should I give that up? In, internal conflict is just a part of life for every thinking individual. You may want to run away from it, but it's there. It's part of life for every thinking individual. We go through it. We go through it. You wake up in the morning. Should I get out of bed or should I rest a little more? And tomorrow, Monday, a lot of people are going to wake up and say, should I call time out? That internal conflict is there. But there is also some conflict that are external. And this is the conflict between ourselves and it is people around us. Some of this conflict is necessary and it is good. When people confront us because we are standing for Christ, this is conflict to be welcomed. Because at times they do it. When we are in conflict because of pride or because we are in the wrong, this could be avoided. Yes, my friends, there is internal and external conflict. And both of these conflicts grow out of a third conflict. And that is a spiritual conflict. I'm a Christian. You're Christians. If you have the internal and the external conflict, there is bound to be a spiritual conflict. There are those times in life when God shows up and shows us a higher calling and gives us a choice. To respond or not to respond. 
I wonder what kind of conflict you brought into this room this morning. Someone in this room is fighting internal conflict. You have been asked to do something you know is against your values. The stakes are high. Some of you may be experiencing external conflict with someone who is opposing you, hurting you, and perhaps even persecuting you. It exists, my friends. What I hope, though, is that you are in spiritual conflict. I hope that you hear people. God is calling you to take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, no one will, my friends. Or if somebody is going to help take care of you, they want to see the example with you, trying to take care of you. Because God is calling you to take care of yourself. God is calling you to be of service to other people. God is calling you this morning. In the midst of our conflicts, in the midst of our criticism, let us conclude by suggesting ways we can resolve conflict. And I go back to the scripture to find ways to resolve conflict this morning. And from the Gospel of Matthew, the 18th chapter, verses 15 through 17, this is what the scripture says. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Can we all see the, 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 the words? So let us read it together. After two, one, two. If a fellow... That's what the scripture says. If somebody hurts you, go tell him or her. Take somebody else. This is all Old Testament ritual that Matthew is bringing to the New Testament. Don't keep it. Go tell him. Secondly, in the scripture from James this morning, it says to you and to me, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Do more listening. Less speaking, unless you're a preacher. It's a simple prescription from the scripture. And finally this morning, we read a simple passage from Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. Let us read it together. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. 
criticism, conflict, external, internal, spiritual conflict. The scripture says, take it easy. Take it easy. Take it easy. Try to understand what's going on. Try to understand what's going on. If I am going through it, am I the only one? No. My Lord and my Savior went through it. And he came out victorious. This morning, my friends, I give you that victory in the name of Jesus the Christ. Criticism, conflict. Internal, external, spiritual conflict. Remember, you are not alone. Your Lord and your Savior Jesus Christ experience it. And he says to you and to me this morning, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Go with that this morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. To this, the redeemed people of God say, Amen. Amen.